Section four of the New York Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. The New York Gardener by P. Agricola. Section four. April. My dear son, gardening, like every other art, has its mysteries which none but the initiated can understand, and which none but a practitioner can teach. Books cannot explain all the technical terms, or point out every requisite in all manner of tillage. If you would understand this useful art, make your hands familiar with the tools, and, from some experienced workman, learn how, when, and where to use them. Every village should annually employ a master of this kind, who should have the superintendence of the gardens, and teach the young farmers the art. He should instruct his pupils in their own gardens, show them the proper form of cultivating the several kinds of soil, the best mode of applying manures, and how to make ready the seed-bed for all kinds of plants, and how to prune and propagate the small fruit-bearing shrubs. They should learn of him when the proper season has arrived, and when the soil is sufficiently dry, to commence the business of gardening, for without this knowledge there can be no success, and without success no pleasure in gardening. Frequent disappointments will dishearten and disgust the young practitioner, and he will soon despise the art which he would otherwise love and practice with delight. As such teachers, however, are not always to be had, it shall be the business of these letters to supply their place as much as possible. The first lesson I shall attempt to teach will be to show when the work of making garden, as it is called, should begin. Our seasons are so various that no particular period can be assigned some years we may commence ten or twenty days earlier than others as soon however as the frost is out of the ground there is something necessary to be done in the garden and you must begin to dress it your garden i conclude is already substantially enclosed let us then survey the premises stake off the several apartments and lay out the necessary walks or alleys the alleys should never be broad or numerous, but just sufficient to divide the allotments and enable you to pass conveniently from one to another. Three or four feet wide is amply sufficient for the main or principal walks. If laid out broader than this, they occasion much labor and will soon be overgrown with grass or weeds. In all your horticultural plans and operations, let neatness and utility preside. In the gardens of the opulent, expense may be disregarded, but a farmer's success depends upon economy in all things. Our gardens, as well as our farms, must yield a profit, and there is nothing more easy than to make them do so. Let your walks be few, let them be parallel, and let all their turns be at right angle. Stretch a line upon each side, and throw out the surface of the ground, to the depth of five or six inches. Fill this with fine gravel, or rather coarse sand, if there is any in your neighborhood. This done, smooth the surface with a rake, and finish the walk a little higher in the middle than at the sides, that the rain may run gently off, and stand nowhere in the path. This work well done, you may, throughout the season, keep them clean at a small expense, and save all the labor of rolling and sweeping. As to grass walks, I advise you never to give one place in your garden, for without constant attention they are inconvenient everywhere, and form a safe retreat and nursery for insects. The gooseberries should claim your next attention. If you have an old plantation of these shrubs, now carefully spade around the roots, turn over the soil, and pull out all the grass that may grow near them. 
Then take your strong knife and begin the necessary operation of pruning. First cut out every worn-out, decayed, or irregular branch. Let none be permitted to grow across each other, but let all be pruned to some regular order. Cut out all the superabundant lateral shoots of the last summer, close to the ground, or old wood, only retaining here and there a good one, to supply the place of casual, worn-out bearers. Never permit the extremities of these branches to stand nearer than six or eight feet of each other. This is also the proper season to plant out the gooseberry. They should stand so far apart that you may have ample room to cultivate and manure the earth around them. The best method of propagating this shrub is by cuttings or layers, for those plants which are produced from suckers are always more disposed to send out a great number of shoots from their roots than such as are raised from cuttings or layers. The only season for planting these cuttings is sometime in this month, as soon as the frost is fully out of the ground, and before the buds begin to open. Observe always to take the fairest shoots, and from such branches as generally produce the greatest quantity of fruit, for if you take those which are produced from the stems of the old plants, they will never bear so well as those taken from fruitful branches. These cuttings must be of the last summer's growth. Cut them with a sharp knife. Let them be about ten inches long. Plant them in rows, a foot apart. Insert them two-thirds of their length into the ground, and if the weather should prove dry, you must not neglect to water them frequently and freely to facilitate their taking root. In the summer, when they have put out, you should rub off all the undershoots, leaving only the uppermost or strongest, which should be trained upright to form a regular stem. In the autumn, as soon as the leaves have fallen, take up these plants, trim off all the lateral branches, and replant them in rows two feet apart each way, observing to place a small stake to every plant to train their stems upright and regular. Here they may remain two or three years, being careful to keep them clean from weeds, and also to spade up the ground between the rows every spring, likewise to trim off all shoots which are produced below the head of the tree, so that the trunk may be clean about a foot above the surface of the earth, and as the branches commonly grow very irregular, you must not neglect to cut away such of them as crowd or cross each other, that the head of the plant may be open and capable of admitting the light and air freely to the middle, which is of great use in this kind of fruit. While these plants are young, they should be transplanted to the places where they are intended to remain, for it is not good to have them grow in the nursery too long. The soil in which these shrubs thrive to the best advantage is a rich, light, sandy loom, although they will grow well upon any good land. If you expect this fruit in the greatest perfection, let them not stand in the shade of other trees. Let them have a free, open exposure, and be planted six feet asunder. With this management your fruit will be twice as large as those produced upon bushes which grow among the grass, encumbered with all their shade and branches, and the shrubs will continue in vigor much longer. But you must keep the ground clean, and dig it well over at least once a year, and as often bestow a little rotten dung upon it, which will greatly improve the fruit. These rules faithfully observed, you will not fail to have every year an abundance of fine fruit, and to be amply rewarded for all the time you may bestow upon them. Currants should also be kept thin and regular. Branches should not run across each other, and the old and superabundant stems should be sawed off close to the ground, and a large proportion of the annual shoots should be thinned out, for when they are permitted to grow irregularly and crowding, they produce but small fruit, and the great thicket of branches, excluding the rays of the sun, the berries will not ripen freely and with a good flavor. Both gooseberries and currants must have an annual pruning, that the young bears may have room and the benefit of the sun and air. 
The raspberry is another valuable shrub, which should be allowed a place in the farmer's garden. There are several varieties of this plant, natives of this country which, if judiciously cultivated, are equal in flavor and usefulness to any brought from Europe. Our black and red raspberry are both excellent and have many admirers. In forming a new plantation, observe that it is the young shoots or suckers which arise every summer from the old roots that are to be chosen for this purpose. These should be planted in good ground, and in an open situation. If you dig in some rotten manure, it will be of considerable service to the plants, and promote a production of large fruit. In choosing the plants for this plantation, select the outward young suckers of strong and robust growth, all of last summer's production. Dig them up with full roots, and as sometimes one, two, or more buds appear formed on the roots, near the bottom of the stem, for next summer's shoots, such plants are to be particularly chosen, if to be had. Previous to planting, shorten the shoots, cutting off about one-fourth of their length. Trim the roots and cut away any old stumps or hard, woody parts annexed thereto. Then plant them in rows, four feet and a half asunder, and from two to three feet distant in the rows. They will produce some fruit next summer, and more abundantly the second year. Every spring the raspberry must be carefully pruned before the buds begin to swell, in doing of which observe to clear away all the old decayed stems which bore fruit last year, and leave three, four, or five of the strongest of last year's shoots standing on each root, to bear next summer. All above that number on every root must be cut off close to the surface of the ground, and all straggling shoots between the main plants must also be taken away. Each of the shoots which are left should be shortened by cutting off about a fourth of their original length. When you have finished pruning, or as soon after as possible, dig the ground between the plants, observing as you dig to clear away all straggling roots in the intervals, leaving none but such as belong to the shoots which are left to bear, but the buds which are placed at a small distance from the stems must not be cut or injured, because these produce the new shoots the following summer. The blackberry, or bramble, another of our native shrubs, well deserves a place in the farmer's garden, and will liberally repay the expense of cultivation. It should be propagated and pruned in every respect like the raspberry, but being somewhat larger, requires more room. It is very much disposed to throw off young shoots from the roots, and unless great care is taken to destroy them, they will spread and fill the ground, and soon make it an impenetrable wild. But this is no difficult task. If the space between the roots is well wrought and kept, as it ought to be, quite free from grass or weeds. The bramble, as well as the several kinds of raspberries, do not ripen their fruit at once, but in succession for several weeks, as if designed to court our notice, and bountifully to reward the care we may bestow upon their cultivation, by a frequent offer of their bounties. The fruit should be regularly gathered, as it comes to perfection, and may be directly used after being picked, for although they may remain good on the bush a few days after being ripe, if kept in the house a single day, they will be found to have lost much of their delicious flavor. A plantation of these shrubs will come to perfection in three or four years, and if nursed as above directed, will continue fruitful for eight or ten years. It should then be grubbed up and entirely renewed. Two years, however, before this, a new quarter for this fruit should be prepared. The ground upon which the old shrubs have stood will be found to be greatly improved, and should now be employed for some other use. End of section 4